coming up on this week's episode of the Hogbeat Hour brought to you by Rivals and Hogbeat.com. Me and Hutch will discuss LSU's big win over Arkansas at home. But Ole Miss is coming up next. Uh, We got football, we got some new staff additions, a new transfer, a new hire in the SEC, and a huge recruiting weekend coming up January 17th. So stick around, we'll do all that. Let's do it. Welcome to the Hogbeat Hour. I'm Nikki Chavanel from Hogbeat.com, and I'm here with... Andrew Hutchinson with Hogbeat.com. <laughs> uh, we are your Arkansas Razorback insiders. Um, Hutch, let's start it off with some Razorback basketball talk. Um, it was a very, very close game last night. Arkansas lost 79-77 to to LSU on the road in the PMAC. I don't know what that's short for, but... Pete Maravich Center. But it, it looked kind of old to me. Have you been there? I have not been there, but it is old. Uh, you do know who Pete Maravich is, right? Sure. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Legendary basketball player that averaged like 40 points a game for LSU pre-three-point line. So, so he, was, he was very good. way before I was born is what you're saying. Yes, very long, long time before you were born. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so Arkansas couldn't uh, get the shots to fall at the end of the game. There was, it seemed like, controversy all game long because everyone wanted to believe, you know, that the refs were – anti-Arkansas and there were points in the game where you could definitely kind of take away from that and uh, just some over-the-back calls that maybe Arkansas didn't quite get uh, and and then just the rebounding there wasn't much that Arkansas could do on uh, the defensive side to get as many defensive rebounds as they needed and then Isaiah Joe was a ghost in the first half and Reggie Chaney gets four fouls very quickly and has to sit out for the rest of the game and given Arkansas's lack of size that was a huge uh, letdown for the team and something that I don't really know how Eric Musselman was able to game plan around that after Cheney had to sit with four fouls but they managed to keep it within two and even had the lead a few times back and forth towards the end of the game so an incredible job in in retrospect given all the factors. Yeah, the the fact that Arkansas was out-rebounded as bad as they were, uh, if you had told me that LSU would have 29 more rebounds in Arkansas uh, before the game, I would have said Arkansas would lose by, I don't know, 30 or 40. And that's not an exaggeration. Uh, and, and sure enough, you know, I actually did some, some research, as I'm known, known to do. I <laughs> uh, looked it up on uh, the Sports Reference uh, website that since the 2010-2011 season, there have been 148 games between Division One schools in which one team out-rebounded the other by 29 or more. The team that was out-rebounded uh, won one of those 148 games, and the average margin of those games was 34.1 points. So to say Arkansas, would you would expect to lose by 30 or 40, that's not an exaggeration. So uh, the fact they were able to keep it within two is phenomenal. Uh, we're actually going to be talking to Eric Musselman shortly after recording this, so uh, I'm anxious to hear what he has to say about how they were able to keep it close. And, and I also, you mentioned Reggie Chaney. Uh, he's 
not been playing well the last couple of games. I'm kind of anxious to hear what is kind of going on with him. Uh, foul trouble, uh, kind of really not good mistakes. The technical foul last night was inexcusable. So I'm anxious to hear uh, how, uh, you know, what, what he has to say about all that. Um, we are going to talk to him later this afternoon, but we did get clips of what he had to say after the game last night. Um, here are some keys from that. Just more physical than us. You know, we went with a five-guard lineup. It was our best lineup rebounding the ball. Um, you know, they hung around the lane and outreacted. You know, I've never been a part of a game where it's 26-0 to zero and second chance points, and we could have won the game. I mean, their plays absolutely did not hurt us one bit. It was free throws attempted and rebounds. I've never been a part of a game like that in my life. So we got to rebound the ball better. We knew that was a deficiency. We've, we've kind of hung our own. Um, Again, our, our best rebounding lineup tonight was when we had uh, five guards. Having said that, we picked up a technical foul in a two-point game. Um, every little thing matters. Uh, you know, the first and one, um, you know, Mason Jones gambled and picked up a foul, and it turns out I've never, I've never seen three and ones, two to end a game. They made two, we made ones, you know, so. You know, they made a run at the, the last four minutes of the first half. They made a run to start the second half, and we just, you know, we don't go away. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams that are up and down. They lose by 16. They lose by 18. They don't come to play in non I mean, we, we played hard. We just lost. And uh, so you tip your hat off to LSU. Uh, they kicked our butts on the, on the backboards, and, uh, and the free throws attempted. That's, that's, the, that's the game. And... Uh, so we got to get ready for Ole Miss. There's, there's nothing else we can do. But as far as effort, I'll, I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll go with these guys any night into an arena and, and go play uh, because they're giving us all they got for sure. So, yeah, like Musselman said, they got out-physicaled all game long, basically. I mean, Arkansas, you, you, you look at them and you think they're a pretty physical team, but – when you compare them to LSU's athletes, it just was pretty clear that, first of all, Arkansas doesn't have the size. And then besides maybe Desi driving against a, a larger player, you don't see a ton of guys like really going in there into the paint with a lot of aggressiveness. Yeah, and just, you know, on top of the size, I think something else that got lost is just the sheer athleticism of LSU. I mean, they've got – multiple five-star former five-star recruits on that team they've got uh, a veteran in Skylar Mays so that that is a very talented team more talented than there I think they were nine and four coming in that game so uh, more talented than that record indicates and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they they fare in SEC play uh, but that's again that was probably a game Arkansas as crazy as it sounds with the rebounding the way it was it was a game they probably felt like they should have won uh, and honestly, <laughs> came as uh, about as close as you can. You know, after Adrio blocked that shot, you know, with about 11 seconds left, you're thinking, oh, are yeah, they going to finish us off? Uh, unfortunately, they they just couldn't couldn't quite do it. Couldn't stop the five star uh, Watford from from doing what he'd done about 20 seconds earlier. The refs, I mean, they were involved all game long, but it just seemed like they were too involved at the end of the game and and made some calls that maybe affected the game too much. Or, yeah. or didn't make the call. I mean, as Musselman said in, in his post game, that he, I don't know if I've ever seen three and ones in the final thirty-two seconds. That, that's and insane. From from the aerial angle, you couldn't really see where Mason Jones 
foul was, but on the other one you could see him like take a jab at the mm-hmm. ball. Um, and but the second one, I just didn't really see anything there. He got in his way a little bit, but that usually is like a play on type of situation. Yeah, especially late game like yeah. that. Usually the refs will swallow their whistle like we saw in the you know the last two three point attempts by Arkansas, and uh, they didn't. They they called the the foul, and I mean I guess it really didn't matter. I mean, I guess it could have changed what Arkansas did on its last possession. Instead of trying to take a three, they would have had the option. Because I, I don't think they wanted to go to overtime without Mason Jones, uh, right. with the the rebounding advantage, the, the uh, disparity, disparity being the way it was. Uh, they probably wanted to win that in regulation. So perhaps if, if it wasn't an and one, and they just got the, the bucket, they're up by one, maybe you go down and try to drive to the basket, You know, maybe get Jimmy Whip mid-range, something like that. But uh, you know, it is what it is, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they respond coming off of a loss uh, this weekend. I think if Arkansas had shot from deep how they normally do, it, they could have won this game. But just overall, do you think 8 for 25 is how they normally shoot? Honestly, I it was that, a bit that, higher. They, they shoot about 31% this year, so they were about right on their Dang. average. Which, which that's the other thing is before the season, if you had told me Arkansas was shooting 31% from three-point range, I would have said, no way they're 12-1 and one or 12-2 and two yeah. now because I thought they were going to completely rely on the three-point line. It just shows you how good they've been playing defense and how well they've done other things uh, than just shoot the three ball. Well, Musselman said the other day that he always takes into account, like, how many three-point baskets am I going to need to make up for all the all – the, you know, rebounds we might not get and stuff like that. So so my theory still stands. I think they could have shot better and won the game, but alas, didn't happen. Um, after Cheney got the four fouls, Eric Musselman tried to put in Ethan Henderson. See, see what he got. He got nothing. Took him back out after two minutes. That's just really sad that you have both Henderson and Silla, who are, you know, slightly bigger guys, and you can't play either of them. Yeah, and, and Henderson, I think, is probably the more – well, I guess you could say Sill is probably the more disappointing one because you brought him in as a right. graduate transfer with one year at play. You know, he had solid numbers, you know, at his previous school. That wasn't a big school by any means, but you still think, hey, this guy could be a solid rotation guy, a guy that comes off the bench and gives you 10 minutes when you need it. But he didn't even come off the bench last night uh, and has played – poorly when he's in there I think he did make a really good play at the end of the first half uh, against A&M maybe or against uh, Indiana something something made, like that something he made a good play at <laughs> once because I remember thinking oh look there's there's a Silla sighting yeah uh, Henderson he's a little he was le- he's less surprising after seeing what he did last year he didn't really show a whole lot last year uh, felt like he was maybe a little bit overhyped, but he's an in-state kid. You thought you think maybe maybe he'll develop some, and it just kind of hasn't hasn't turned out to be the case. And they've pretty much had a, a six or seven man rotation uh, so far this season. After you get out rebounded like that, it was natural. It was gonna come up. People were saying, "Oh, why won't we see Jamario Bell play?" <laughs> Hutch, give give them your reasoning in your professional opinion why you don't put a guy who hasn't played basketball in four years well he hasn't played basketball really five years because he's a fifth year senior so I mean he has not played in a long time and when he did play he was playing class 2a basketball in Arkansas granted he played AAU ball with some you know really good teams and he was a really good basketball player probably could have played college ball if he wanted to you know in basketball 
but he's been in football this entire time, and really, I, I kind of thought... Might be too physical. Yeah, and I, I kind of thought all along that, you know, he was an interesting ad, but I figured he was kind of more of a, a practice body. It right. gives him something to do, and, and who knows, mate... Maybe he develops and comes on at the very end of the year, but I'm not really holding my breath. Uh, really, really good stuff from Mason Jones and Jimmy Witt last night. Very consistent players. Uh, Mason Jones did get cold towards the end of the game, which was unfortunate. Um, the uh, commentators, Jimmy Dykes and who who else was it? I don't Tom know. Hart. Tom Hart. Both of them were going on about how he – you know, talk some trash so that no one could guard him, whatever, and then they successfully shut him down. So that was a bummer, um, but... Breaking news, college athlete talks trash during a <laughs> yeah. heated basketball game. It, it was like a very Paul Pierce thing to do, which I appreciate as a... I, I'm not going to say I'm really a current Celtics fan, but I grew up watching a lot of Celtics with my dad. Um, I'm a big, big Paul Pierce fan. I kind of like a player with attitude like that. We haven't seen it too much from Mason Jones, except after, of course, he got uh, reprimanded by Musselman after the um, Georgia Tech overtime buzzer beater <laughs> shot. So that was a little flashback to some of that, you know, more immature kind of behavior. But they're they're fired up, whatever. And then you have Jimmy Witt on the other spectrum, who's just cool just as quiet, cool. Just <laughs> just going to go about his business casually, you know. Drop hit down, two. hit down, you know, mid-range jump shots like a a guy, in a, you know, a 40-year-old man in a church league. Like I I never saw my dad play basketball when he was in high school in his one year of college ball at John Brown, but I imagine he played very similar to Jimmy Whit. He didn't shoot the three ball, but he was money on mid-range stuff and uh you know, let's Sometimes you need a guy like that because he, he really carried them for a big stretch there in the first half where he, I think he made his first five shots and ended up making like seven of eight or something in the first half. It was it was pretty impressive. Um, I was watching the game with Ben, my boyfriend, last night, and he hasn't had to watch much of these Arkansas Razorback games so far, but now with SEC playing, he's probably going to have to watch more. And he sees Jimmy Witt. I think it was his last jumper that was like at the top of the key – or at the top of the free throw line. And as he's shooting, he's like, what the hell is that? Because it looks so awkward. But he makes it every time. Yeah, I was that's like, what's wait. crazy. And then, boom, it goes in. Of course, he's <laughs> not quite as efficient at the free throw line. That, that, his free throw Dude. form is quite possibly the ugliest I've ever he's seen. He's still 4 for 4, though. He was 4 for 4 <laughs> last night. I think his, his season percentage isn't quite... Uh, what you would, Dang, would hope. Arkansas was almost perfect from the free throw line last night. Seventeen for eight. That was another reason they were in the game. You, yeah. you got you got to you got to convert things like that whenever you're getting out rebounded by twenty nine. So yeah, Arkansas drops a big one to LSU. Does LSU come back to Bud Walton this year? Later. Ah, uh, I think so, but don't hold me to it. Well, they that played would be twice a last year, so maybe rematch. not. If they do, if not next year. Arkansas probably gets their number next year with some additional big men. Connor Vanover, you got Jalen Williams coming in. That'll be an exciting matchup to look forward to. Um, when we come back, Arkansas has Ole Miss on Saturday, so we're not dwelling on this loss for too long. Uh, stay tuned.
watching Arkansas versus Ole Miss with you guys probably on the couch this weekend as we are not traveling to Oxford for Arkansas's second straight road game. Um, the Hogs will be at Ole Miss on Saturday, 5 p.m. tip-off. Game's on SEC Network. Um, Hogs are coming off of the loss to, to um, LSU, but they have the one win against Texas A&M. Meanwhile, Ole Miss has one loss to Texas A&M. They lost by 10. Arkansas beat Texas A&M by 10, so maybe Arkansas will win by 20. Probably not. Um, but looks to be another good matchup with a second-year head coach in Kermit Davis. What do we know about these Ole Miss Rebels? Well, I think Ole Miss kind of burst on the scene last year, made a surprise run to the uh, NCAA tournament. They were picked near the bottom of the conference, I'm pretty sure. I think they're one of the teams picked ahead of Arkansas, but they haven't uh, played particularly well. I mean, they're 9-5. and five. Uh, they are 7-1 and one at home, uh, so they are doing a good job of defending the home court. Uh, they they do have uh, a kind of a, a bad loss when they, they did get blown out by 20 against Wichita State. Uh, that was on the opening night of SEC play because Ole Miss is uh, not participating in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Uh, they are... Uh, they have a really good score, one of the top scorers in the SEC, and Bree and Tyree. He's averaging 17.1 points, uh, shooting 40% from the field. Uh, just a, a really good player who, if I remember correctly, gave Arkansas some fits last year. So it's going to be interesting to see what uh, Eric Musselman dials up to, to try to slow him down. How's their size over there? Well, they've got a guy named Blake Henson. He's listed kind of as a guard forward. He's 6'7". Uh, they also have... Uh, Let's see, who else do they have? <laughs> this is well done. <laughs> no one else. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, no, not really. Yeah, they've got a 6'9 freshman named Sammy Hunter, but he's not exactly playing a whole lot. Uh, they had a, a Louis Rodriguez. Uh, he's 6'6", six, six, but he's been injured. He was out uh, for uh, six to eight weeks earlier in the season. He's not back yet. Uh, they do have a 6'11 guy named Sean Robinson coming off the bench. He's a freshman, uh, so he uh, is a guy maybe. Uh, K.J. Buffin, he's 6'7". He's a sophomore. He's in the starting lineup. Uh, that's probably their biggest guy. Oh, then they also have Kadeem Sai, who is 6'10", in the starting lineup. He's originally from Africa. That's a guy uh, that Arkansas looked at last year, I remember. Well, that Musselman looked at in the transfer portal. Yeah, and it's easy to see why. He's 6'10". <laughs> yep, yep. That makes a lot of sense. Um, our overall, Ole Miss not scoring a ton of points, um, 69.5 points per game. That's five point less than Arkansas. Um, and their, their defense is not quite up to Arkansas standards, but still holding opponents to 42.8% per game. Um, I like Arkansas's chances here, but it is on the road, so I'm interested to see what the line opens up as. Um, Arkansas was a dog uh, at LSU, and they ended up covering, but still losing. So, going to be interesting to see what the experts think about this one. Um, what else we got? Anything? Any other tidbits on Ole Miss? Well, I mentioned Brian Tyree just a minute ago as giving Arkansas fits. You know, he dropped 20 points against Arkansas in the last matchup, the one that was in Bud Walton, uh, that Arkansas won by one. Uh, that was a, a game Arkansas won with a, a Jalen Harris layup with about six seconds left. So tight, tight game. Uh, they did lose at Ole Miss last year uh, in a game that Brian Tyree scored 22 points. So. He is a guy that, that can score it for Ole Miss, and the the next closest guy they have, they have a couple of guys averaging about 10 points. Uh, so other than him, though, so 
if they can slow him down, I like Arkansas's chances. Ole Miss is kind of a team that I think kind of favors Arkansas a little bit more matchup-wise. Uh, they do rebounds uh, decently well, uh, but I still like Arkansas's chances to – like before, before this little two-game road trip, I kind of thought Arkansas would lose at LSU and then beat Ole Miss. I thought a split in these two games would be great for Arkansas, and uh, they have a chance to do that if they take care of business in Oxford. Well, one thing I'm really pleased about so far is that I'm I'm not questioning whether Arkansas is going to like finish a game. You know, the the fight they showed against LSU was really promising. And neither neither of these teams wants to have two losses on their record. And Ole Miss is at home, so they might have the slight advantage there. But Arkansas has Vanderbilt coming up after that. And then a huge game against Kentucky at home next Saturday. So whoever comes out with this win is putting them in a pretty good position to start off SEC conference play. Uh, after this, Arkansas has hired a couple new support staff members and the – total staff is complete and a ton of offers are going out in the 2020 2021 and 2022 classes so when we come back we'll get you caught up on all of those Hey guys, we're back. We're going to be talking about the three new assistant staff hires from this past weekend. Um, it, it's been a few days now, but you know you haven't heard it from us. So, Hutch, what what do you think of the new hires, including running backs coach Jimmy Smith, Scott Fountain? Is that how you say it, or is it Fontaine? I thought it's Fountain. It's spelled like Fountain. And then LeBlanc. <laughs> No, no C, silent it's C. LeBlanc. Yeah, LeBlanc. Right. <laughs> Le, LeBlanc. I, I don't I, know. We'll figure it out when we talk to him eventually before spring practices start, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I mean, the one I'm most excited about, I guess you could say, and it's probably no surprise to the people who know me because I nerd out about this stuff, but it is Scott Fountain, the special teams coordinator, because one, Arkansas is finally going to have a designated special teams coordinator. I know that that was something that – I thought really hurt Chad Morris's first year. Because if you remember back, that first start of that 2018 season was quite possibly the worst special teams performance overall, top to bottom, every unit that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was bad, and I remember asking Chad. Hey, if he, Connor Limpert was good. Yeah, he was. He was good, but I think it was even. I think he even missed a field goal on this part. But they were giving up long returns on kickoffs, uh-huh. punts. They were terrible. Yeah, their field the position was so bad. It was. It was horrible, and it really, really cost them in some games and so I remember asking Chad about it and he said that he uh you know didn't really have any regrets yada yada but I thought that a true designated specialty coordinator would help not only did Arkansas go get one but they got one of the best in the business and this is not just me looking at it through rose cutter glasses this is looking at hard data I mean his units uh, this year at Georgia his unit the special teams unit ranks first in the country in the SP Plus uh, analytic that Bill Connolly does, uh, formerly SB Nation, now with ESPN. And I put a lot of stock into into those numbers because it's really hard to truly judge an entire special teams unit just because there is so many different aspects of it. And uh, he's they were number one this year. I think they were number three a couple of years ago. They were number 15 most of the years whenever he was at Auburn. He bottomed out at like number 30 or something. So... He has been phenomenal, and he's coached, you know, a 
Lou Groza award winner, top uh, kicker in the country. He's coached another Lou Groza finalist. He coached a Ray Guy Award finalist. He had a leading punt return in the SEC. So just he's a proven kind of commodity who has experience in the SEC and has had uh, positive success in the SEC. How big was his raise from Georgia? Uh, I think he got about $125,000 pay bump, so pretty pretty sizable, which I think you have to if you're going to leave a place like Georgia where you're competing for the SEC every year, trying to get into the playoff, win a national championship. It's come to a place like Arkansas where they've won four games the last two years. No doubt. He probably has a pretty solid relationship with Sam Pittman for him to do that. Oh, I mean, he'd have to. That is kind of – I mean, it's a big pay raise, but with all the aspects considered – he either wanted to get out of Georgia or he just really loves Sam Pittman, and I'd probably lean towards that. Um, and then there is Derek LeBlanc. So because they hire a special teams coordinator, um, you lose a defensive line coach. And so they're going with a longtime Kentucky – not too I think long, he's only been there three years. Three years. So Kentucky defensive line coach Derek LeBlanc, uh, he had some pretty impressive – signees at Kentucky who he's leaving behind but he wasn't the lead lead recruiter on those guys so um, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of recruiting job he can do here at Arkansas based on the offers going out he's aiming high so far um, and he already has a good number of commits already in place for him here so he doesn't have to do too much to finish the 2020 class what do you think of that hire? Yeah, he's actually got some Arkansas ties, too. You know, he coached some D2 ball here in Arkansas, Arkansas Tech, I think, for a, a year. He was at Harding uh, down in Arkadelphia, or not Harding, uh, Henderson. Apologies to the Great American Conference fans down uh, who are listening. Uh, he was at Henderson for, I believe, three years. So he, he kind of knows the state, uh, and he's just another guy. You know, I, I think I talked about uh, – you know, Fountain, I think he at one point was an offensive line coach in his career. Uh, LeBlanc, he uh, was a offensive lineman in college. And, you know, obviously Sam Pittman coached offensive right. line. They've got an offensive line coach. They've got a lot of dudes who have an offensive line a background. Tight end who's a former offensive lineman. Exactly. It's, it's crazy. A lot of offensive line ties on this staff. And I, I think that's not a coincidence considering who your head coach is. Right. Um, and then the final hire, a former high school coach, really reminds me of the kind of guy that Jeff Trailer was, but in Georgia, um, Jimmy Smith from Georgia State, um, former running backs coach, he's now the new Arkansas running backs coach. He's walking into a very favorable situation now with Rakeem Boyd coming back. Um, so Sam Pittman knew him from being at Georgia, obviously, but they couldn't hire him in an off-field scenario because then they couldn't recruit the guys that he had at his former high school at Cedar Grove High School, which puts out a good amount of talent every year. So now finally at Arkansas, he gets a full-time gig as a position coach in the SEC. Seems like a very solid hire to me, and they've already started sending out a bunch of offers to Georgia, which makes sense given all of the numerous ties to Georgia now. Exactly. It's very intriguing hire from the recruiting standpoint because, as you said, Cedar Grove has produced a ton of Power 5 level recruits, including a guy Arkansas signed a few years back, Corey Hernandez. Uh, he didn't really pan out here. He's since transferred. I think he's at Eastern Michigan now. But still, uh, this they have produced a bunch of talents and you, you'd like to think whenever he's had success he won a couple of state championships in football he won I think four straight track and field state championships which is a you know 
phenomenal feat in a place like Georgia. They got a lot of fast dudes over there. So uh, he's he's going to have connections, and I'm anxious to see if he can kind of get in some places that Arkansas hasn't previously had a bunch of success at. Arkansas has also had a few um, support staff slash off-field hires. Um, they got their two director of ops. The newest hires the assistant director of ops, um, Amanda Jilpin, who was at UTSA. And that program was brand new, and so she had a lot of experience kind of working on a brand new kind of program down there. Um, and then they've also got a former Missouri linebacker who I watched a cute little video on. He's got a nice history with Barry Odom. Um, he got injured his senior year, had to delay his NFL prospects, and just developed a really strong relationship with Barry Odom who related to him with the, with the injury stuff. Um, and then also a former Razorback walk-on in Joseph Young. And I know when I, when I showed him to you, you were like, I don't really remember this guy, but Arkansas ties get you through the door, I guess. Yeah, and, and also just reading about him too. I mean, he was a guy that was on those Little Rock Central uh, teams in 2003, 2004 that won back-to-back state championships. So he must have been a, a pretty good player, and you know he decided he probably could have gone played ball somewhere, but he wanted to be a Razorback. And I think having a bringing a guy back like that's always really cool. Being an Arkansas native who played for the Razorbacks and now uh, helping uh, coach the Razorbacks, you know, in a in one of these off-field roles. And then also Kendall Bryles brought with him a guy that's been with him at several different stops, Mark. Kala, I'm just going to say it like that because I don't really fully understand how to say his last name yet, but um, Mark Kala, he was a GA um, back at FAU, and then he was an analyst at um, Houston, and then he was back to a GA at FSU, so he's in a more advanced role as an as an analyst quality control coach here at Arkansas working with the quarterback. So th- that you don't normally pay attention to who those kinds of guys are, but when they're working with quarterbacks, you you pay a little bit more attention. Plus, he's a guy with a long relationship with Kendall Bryles. Um, not Arkansas news, but Mississippi State hired Mike Leach, who, as we know, 100% interviewed with Arkansas for the job before Sam Pittman was called, and, and he got it. Um, my theory is that Mississippi State had to throw a lot of money at him to get him to leave Washington State because I think Arkansas would have taken him if they had offered him enough money. That's just my opinion. I mean, he's got a proven record of winning. I don't know that you would pass up on that for Sam Pittman. Yeah, you feel like the the, the floor for a Mike Leach hire would be higher than a Sam Pittman. Right. Uh, the ceiling may not be as high. I mean, you know, what he he's... He's had a hard time winning the big games. Like at Washington State, he really has hard had a hard time beating Washington in the last game of the year. I mean, they had a chance to I think make the playoff a couple of years ago. That's They've been just able not to beat something Washington. Arkansas is really even concerned no, with no, at this that's point. That's true. That's true. Uh, and it would definitely be a highly entertaining brand of football. You know, because they throw it all over the place. They lead the country in passing pretty much every year by a wide margin. He would provide some sound clips for sure, uh, but I also feel like. You know, after you know, week in, week out, that would that would probably wear on you a little bit. Uh, you know, because right now he's off in the far corner of the country, so you only see the snippet here and right. there. Uh, we might be seeing a little bit more. He'll probably be a hoot. It's uh, gonna at be weekly. I'm, I'm just predicting it. Now. I don't know, and we'll we'll see. But uh, <laughs> it it is definitely an intriguing hire, and it just shows you. I mean, if you look at the coaches across the SEC West, 
Sam Pittman's kind of kind of the outlier. Yeah, of I all mean, those just coaches. No experience as a head coach. I think but. four of them have either coached in or won a national championship, and then the others are Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach. So. Uh, that's some that's some star power. So it's Sam Pittman's got his work cut out for him. Yeah, I think a lot of Arkansas fans are going to want to say, oh, he won't be successful there. But I think they're just worried because Mississippi State looked like they were on the decline, looked like a team that, you know, in the next few years Arkansas could start beating consistently. But now with Mike Leach, you, you just don't know how it's going to go. That offense is, is probably going to pick up a lot. Um, but Arkansas has Kendall Bryles, and who knows what kind of hires Mike Leach is going to make for his offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. And I know a lot of people worry about his defenses, and but he does have a lot of nice players over there at Mississippi State at the moment. Um, I think a lot of Dan Mullen's recruits are starting to leave and graduate and stuff, but he's going to be a good recruiter, I think, in the SEC and, and definitely a force for Lane Kiffin to compete with for Mississippi State talent or the talent inside Mississippi so I think that's gonna be a little fun to watch yeah that's what I was gonna say he's never been a great recruiter right but you know he he's won but at place like Texas Tech where they don't traditionally have a lot of success recruiting Washington State not exactly a great geographical footprint so Mississippi at least has a bunch of talents they've got a lot of junior college talent a lot of speed uh, guys like that so who knows maybe he can and take what he does and put some plug in some better athletes and who knows what kind of success they have i mean the system you know put up points whenever they ran it when he was the offensive coordinator at kentucky back in the 90s so uh i'm i'm definitely anxious to see how it goes uh you know next season and beyond speaking of talent um breaking news this afternoon it's it's thursday as we're recording this so i guess it's uh, yesterday for you guys listening to the podcast but um, Arkansas will host one of Sam Pittman's former commits who is you know still committed to Georgia a five-star offensive lineman from Georgia um, Broderick Jones he'll be at Arkansas for an official visit um, the first week that um, the contact period begins January 17th through 19th um, that's pretty big uh, he will then proceed to go to an official visit with Georgia and then with Auburn so I'm not going to overhype this. It's huge that they're getting him on campus. Will it go any farther than that? It's it's hard to say. Matt Luke is a pretty good offensive line coach himself. Uh, Jones probably has a pretty good relationship with Kirby Smart. Uh, he's from Georgia. It would be very, very tough, um, but Sam Pittman, man. Um, I don't know if you guys pay much attention, but there was a story this week about uh, the Mays brothers, who are two highly rated offensive linemen, now both at Tennessee because Cade Mays, who was at Georgia, uh, decided to transfer to Tennessee with his brother. Uh, but his dad, on a recruiting visit two years ago, had his pinky uh, partially severed, and uh, Sam Pittman put it on ice and was still able to sign Cade Mays. That's a pretty incredible story Like that you have that kind of relationship with a coach and that kid Cade Mays was a Tennessee legacy and had previously been committed to Tennessee like how do you do that yeah that, that's pretty <laughs> incredible I mean Sam Pittman did some crazy you know feats on the recruiting trail at Arkansas getting guys like you know Dan Skipper to come from Colorado and Denver Kirkland to come from Miami things like that but to have a guy have something like that happen on a recruiting visit 
That is uh, that 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 is something else. And that was a that was a wild day of news for Georgia people because Jack Fromm declared for the NFL draft that day, then transfer, and so it it, it was a it was a wild day for for Georgia fans. So rivals um, technically didn't have McTelvin Ajim as a five star, um, so he would whatever recruiting ranking you go off of he technically i guess could have been arkansas's last five-star official visit but uh it goes back to 2014 for the last uh, rivals five-star dalvin cook um and then there was uh dorian dorian Doriel green beckham. Doriel green beckham he signed with missouri famously da- dalvin cook infamously. signed with florida state trey williams in 2012 signed with a&m 2010, Sean Coleman signed with Auburn. So it's been since Darius Winston in 2009 since a five-star has visited Arkansas and actually signed. What, do you not know Darius Winston as a five-star? No, Darius Winston is definitely a five-star. He did not pan out. But I feel like there was another five-star recruit uh, who ended up going to Stanford. I don't know if he was a five-star on Rivals. He was a five-star on some services, uh, came on a visit, some allegedly stuff that, that, yeah he uh, he ended up going to Stanford uh, committed to Stanford uh, in heartbreaking fashion obviously as as is the case with Arkansas athletics yeah and uh, became like a top five draft pick in the NFL and was yeah kind of one of those oh what ifs <laughs> you know Brett Bela may still be here if if he was oh this the, was during the Bela this was during the Bela gotcha. era so well, it was it was definitely more recent than 2014. Well, the point is, this doesn't happen often. So even if he sticks with Georgia, still quite a feat to get him on campus. Um, other guys that will be here that are uncommitted, um, Kari Johnson, he is from um, the Connecticut area, I believe. He is a three-star defensive back. Rashad Battle is a four-star defensive back from Georgia with Arkansas currently leading the way for him. So um, without any other official visits set up, I like Arkansas's chances with him right now. Solomon Thomas is the guy. Aha, four-star. He was a 6.0 four-star. <laughs> My bad. Number 37, actually. Still a big deal. Um, other guys visiting that weekend, Jalen St. John, a four-star offensive lineman from Missouri, a former Missouri commit. So I like Arkansas's chances there, given Brad Davis – Sam Pittman combo. Um, Ja'Cory Turner, he's a three-star DB from Georgia. Um, Arkansas leads there as well. Um, and then we've got Kelvante Dixon coming back, who is a former Arkansas commit, um, but he'll be at UTSA the weekend after that. And then Texas, where his brother plays the weekend after that. So I'm not sure Arkansas can get him back on board, uh, but they'd sure like to have him. He's just a really unique talent, great hands, a lot of speed. Um, and he's raw, so he's got a high ceiling. Um, and then Ebony Jackson, who is a Maryland commit, he may not have uh, the qualifications to play D1 next year, but Arkansas is bringing him in. He's a running back. Um, he's he's coming in January 17th as well. So a lot of talent coming in. We'll keep you updated on all of that every single day. You can find everything on hogbeat.com. Today we put out a breakdown of where all these offers are going out geographically. Sam Pittman is expanding his recruiting base, so I like it. Um, He's kind of the, I'll go anywhere and I'll get anyone. Um, So I like that attitude. Although they haven't offered anyone in Tennessee or Oklahoma yet, so you got to get on those guys. Um, What else? We also got a breakdown of 
transfer portal quarterbacks. So that's a great source. You should go look at that and check out the options Arkansas has because they're going to need a grad transfer, in my opinion, that can come in and play immediately just because you don't know what you're going to get out of KJ. I mean, we saw a good amount of him, but nothing that makes you say, oh, yeah, he's the guy. Or John Steven or Jack or- Lindsay. Sorry, I, mean, I didn't mention them. <laughs> all, all those guys started a game last year, so right. uh, yeah, who who knows? I, 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 but I agree with you. I think they're going to need to bring in somebody who can help them right away for sure. So get on Hogbeat. You can get 30 days free anytime with code HAWGS30. Thanks, everybody. Have a good weekend.